six years ago or so and talking about the business and relating it to a marriage. And I, the quote was something along the lines of it's like a marriage without the emotion. I think I'd amend that now and just say it's different emotions, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but it, but it is, it, it has a lot of similarities to that and it should be treated with the same mm-hmm. kind of respect, care, and love that a marriage should be treated with. Uh, Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. This podcast is intended for free thinkers, entrepreneurs, and knowledge seekers. Join us as we discuss relevant financial topics, explore with guests their financial journeys, and engage with experts in industries such as space, media and entertainment, real estate, and many more. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required. You're with your hosts, myself, Tim Bickmore, and my colleague, Dan Weiss. And today we are going to talk about communication. Dan and Kennedy uh, spoke about communication within someone's personal household. And today, Dan and I want to continue that conversation, but change the dynamic of the relationship to business partners. And what good two people to have that conversation than two business partners. So we are happy to have that discussion, talk about what we think you need when it comes to communicating both sometimes personal and business finances with people that you're in business with. Dan, I'm going to let you start. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Um, Kennedy, I had so much fun doing the one about uh, the relationship of finances with parents speaking to children. And there are so many more angles that we can take on this. And Tim and I were discussing before this, there's actually a lot of commonality to the main topics that we discussed in that conversation for that podcast and the one today. It's just a different audience that we're applying it to, right? I mean, there's a lot of themes within that good communication that make this work. Respect for each other, for example, is really critical in any relationship, um, any relationship dealing with money uh, on top of that, right? Respect is really important because it's a very touchy subject. Uh, accessibility, delegation, structure. Like these are all very powerful words to consider when we're talking about how do you speak with your partners about finances. So um, we could use us as an example. I think that over the last seven years, we've we've done a very good job of managing, navigating through this system. So we thought we'd share a little bit as to what we have found to be successful uh, and maybe a little bit as to what we find is perhaps a challenge, which quite honestly, we, we actually have not seen. We see those sometimes, but nothing major, but we definitely have worked with companies that that have. Uh, so um, I guess the first thing that I'll, I'll throw out there and I'll toss it back, um, toss it back to Tim uh, on part of this too, is understanding where the blend of personal and business comes into play. Sometimes it's very, very, very gray. It's never entirely black and white. So there are things that I find it very beneficial for Tim, Nathaniel, and Ying to know. And then there are things too where boundaries are set or should be set that it, it doesn't impact that. So how about how about we kind of start with that, Tim? You want to share some of your thoughts on that? I can piggyback off of what you say. Yeah, I think 
that understand, I mean, as you get into a business partnership, get into a business partnership relationship, uh, it, it becomes very blurred, especially if you're a small business that is, let's say, organized as an LLC, which is technically a pass-through company. Um, when somebody owns a business on their own, for example, it's really easy to, you know, have some personal expenses that go through the business. But if you have other partners like we do here at LBW, running some of that personal um, expense through the business in a, in, in a way can be very difficult because it's not necessarily fair to the other partners, right? Someone else might be paying for that meal that as a prospect, as a client or whatever it may be, that is coming out of multiple people's pockets, not just one person's pocket. So you have to really be aware of, of that because it does affect the personal side of the other partners. Um, you know, another big thing as well that is sometimes difficult is that each person has different personal circumstances. Some people may have a personal circumstance that is, you know, very stable. Another person may have a personal circumstance that isn't as stable as the other. Uh, that can get really hard over time because people may need different things from the business. Um, you know, we could even use a person that may not need something from the business and may want to add money to the business. That's a really big conversation, right? That could change equity ownership. That could change a lot of things, the dynamics within the partnership. Um, and even though that person may have the ability to do it, you know, do the other partners want to do it? And what does that mean? And, and how do you create that ability to allow for, you know, additional contributions? Again, like we talk about, you know, you really should have an operating agreement that dictates a lot of these decisions, um, which is extremely important. Um, because it does get blurry really fast. And I think if you have a good respect, as Dan mentioned earlier on, for your business partners, and if you have some empathy as an individual, it's hard to watch your business partners go through tough times. It's not something that you want to do. And it can negatively affect what they do at work, which means that how do you support that to make sure that they're optimizing and running at their 100% level? So it it is more dynamic and more of a conversation. And I think uh, for at least at LBW, but I think in general, our philosophy is always to be as transparent as possible of both your personal and your business situation to make the best decisions. Um, and we had a really good podcast uh, a while back um, with uh, somebody who mentioned that, you know, the best decision for the business is the best decision for the family. And the best decision for the family is the best decision for the business. And even though, for example, Dan and I may not be family, but at the end of the day, our livelihoods are very well connected, which means that we really have to make the best business decision, which would most likely make the best family decision. Um, and it is something that you really have to take into consideration. But I will be honest, it's not always clear cut and dry. It's not black and white. It's usually gray. There is usually emotions that run and you have to work through those conversations um, in order to hopefully get to it. an OK answer. I'm so glad, Timmy, you brought up a lot of the structure components of that, like the operating agreement and the structure of the entity, because a lot of these decisions, you, it's best to make when there are these problems from not hitting you in the face, and, and you do have to think forward on it. There are some of these events that will cause financial change inside the business that will affect your partners, maybe are involuntary. It could be a death of somebody, where now the business needs to figure out how they're going to make that like Tim said, kind of extended family member in a sense, based on the intimacy of the relationship, how you're going to make that person's family whole. Are there are there mechanisms like buy-sell agreements with life insurance to pay out? Are there not? Are there lines of credit to, to do that so you can buy out the shares of your now deceased partner? Um, 
you know, what is that? How does that basically function? Do you, does a business have enough money now to hire for the loss of the time um, and efforts of that partner to make the business full? So a lot of these things you have to talk about ahead of time and feel really good about it. And also fluid about the change of it, right? Because some things are not involuntary, but they happen. Um, maybe someone gets divorced. Maybe somebody has illness in their family, like Tim was saying. It, it's even though it's their household and it's their personal business, in some way or fashion, it's going to affect the overall business and therefore affect your partners and their families as well. Not just emotionally, but from the money standpoint. So it's great to really kind of have that stress tested. Um, and I really do think that to some extent, having it as concrete as possible is helpful, but there is a level of being fluid. Uh, as things change, you have to be open to that. I think it's very difficult in any relationship when people operate from a rigid stance. Um, again, not to say that there shouldn't be boundaries coming from a person who I feel like have very little boundaries, but um, nonetheless, it, it, that is a critical thing, but it also cannot be just, you know, hard to the paint as well. Yeah. I mean, I think Dan, you bring up a good point with boundaries and, and that is something that is, you know, difficult in itself, especially for people who have difficulty setting boundaries. Like I think Dan and I could probably speak that, you know, very honestly and candid about that for ourselves. Um, and it can be hard because it's a different relationship. You know, there is one thing talking to you about with your spouse that you live with every day. And it's, it's another thing to, to talk about it with your business partner who then has to go talk about it with their spouse. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have multiple people in that conversation to try to understand what makes best. And even that line of, um, communication and understanding. I mean, I think Dan brought up a really good point when it comes to the spousal interaction, which is another level when it comes to talking to your business partners, that is sometimes difficult. And that's because the spouse typically as, is not as informed and really will never be as informed because they're just not involved on a day-to-day -day basis. So a business decision that you're making may be like, the spouse may say, whoa, 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 this doesn't make any sense. And it's like, well, it actually does, but you, you just it's hard for you to understand because you're not in it day-to-day. -day. So how much to communicate even to your spouse relative to your business partners and then being together as a team and saying like, hey, this is what why we're making this decision. This is how we're trying to go about it and trying to get that person involved because their say does matter because it could affect your business partner and what they are also saying. That can go for the positive and the negative. So it's something that is a whole nother dynamic that can get complicated um, within, its, within itself. And then, like I mentioned with setting boundaries, is then you also have to look out for your own family. Right. And what is the decision that is being made by the business? And is, how does that affect you and your children and your spouse? And what does that mean? And, you know, like Dan said, an operating agreement can help with a lot of that, can establish a lot of really good um, protocols or this is how we work. Um, and a lot of uh, really audit type of um, events. And it can also be able to help with like standardization. You need to set some sort of level of how this is how we operate or here's our frame of, or here's our framework, right? And this is how we're going to think about these decisions when making these decisions, um, which is, 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 is extremely important. And then, and that conversation may change because funny enough, the business may change um, okay. and it will. And then you got to start changing and adapting, but you probably should never adapt the framework, but you can adapt how that is applied and executed um, would be a good way to put that.
You, you know, what's funny, Tim, is <laughs> when you count up the hours, um, I, most business partners probably spend more time with their business partners than they do their significant other. Um, yes, so true. just going back to what you're saying about like relating and understanding, sometimes it's probably easier for us to understand each other than the than the romantic partners in our lives because we're living it and we do get a lot of time to talk about it. Um, and there's also maybe fewer different types of emotions that that get in. I don't want to say the way because I think those are really important to have, but but they get in the mix of things that sometimes make getting down to the the, the topic a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Um, let's talk about maybe some of the ways, uh, Tim, that we have found successful on having the stream of communication happening. And I'll I'll start with I'll throw one out. There's a, there's several. One of which is I think each place of business has to come to a decision as to how we feel that there should be a lot of transparency between partners. Again, there's that line, but how transparent you want to be with your overall entity. So we, for example, as partners made the decision to be right from the get-go, very transparent with all team members in the firm uh, about finances. And there's a couple of ways we go about doing that. There are risks that we take in doing that. And then there, of course, are also pros. Um, so how we how we do that is we have periodic scheduled meetings. And again, this is something that we will talk about and we have in other podcasts about doing this in a family unit too. We have periodic scheduled meetings where we go through and we could talk about roles as to who does that, but we go through all of our finances. And I mean, it's a, it's a beast of a, of a program, but dictating out uh, uh, data points that, talk about where we're going, where we've come from, what can maneuver that. And as a result of it, everybody sees what you make. Everybody sees what is left over, what a lot of those projections look like. But some of the positives are they also understand where you're coming from. So there's a better, just more open communication. There's a better understanding as to why X, Y, and Z maybe isn't happening. And that's great. Um, but it's very difficult to hide things if that's what someone's trying to get. Yeah. And I think it might be helpful for the audience too. And we made the decision for the transparency on why we decided to be transparent. And I think that the biggest thing, one of the leading drivers was a, we haven't, we hadn't experienced transparency in other companies we had worked for that created some difficulties and, and, uh, um, that we wish we could just correct to be, to be frank. Uh, I think, that, but in addition to that, this company was never about the four of us. Um, and we always knew that at some point we wanted to strategically exit away from this company. Now that may not be for another 25, 30 years, but we knew that that was going to be an, like that needed to be an exit. And we talked about that from day one. And in order for people to want to then buy into something, they should understand what's going on and, and be part of those decision-making processes and understanding how and why we're allocating capital, where we're allocating capital. Because if they eventually want to be become a part of this and become another partner, then they do need access to that type of information. Um, and I think that if you are going to be transparent, and I do feel like we do a good job, it's also how you communicate this information, right? And how you present it and what does it look like? Um, and then making sure that if there are questions that you then answer those questions, um, in a very, in a very, uh, you know, factual way, 
because sometimes you can see certain information and can get emotional or there's decisions that were made and they don't quite understand the institutional side of it. Like when people talk about institutional knowledge, we made this decision two years ago, you may not have been here. Here's why we made the decision. And yeah, you know what? Maybe it wasn't the right outcome. Maybe it was, we don't know, but we at least can provide our decision-making processes to people. And typically I feel like we, we find that people then are more respective of it, right? That's really what people are looking for is why are you making the decisions? Not necessarily, you know, how, how exactly, or what was the outcome? It was just more, why did you do that? And if we don't have a good answer for why, then we shouldn't have made that decision um, at the end of the day. So to give a little context behind the transparency part, which I think has also put more pressure from our standpoint at partners to also be very clear and cut about what we're doing and why we're doing it does put a little bit more pressure on us to, you know, understand our decision-making, which makes for, I guess, encourages us to have, again, a, a higher level of communication in order to, to communicate it to others and not just amongst ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I love, I always love looking at an outcome from, from the underlying decision as to why that outcome was driven and looking at from a why as opposed to a what scenario to see if it was a good decision that happened to play out the correct way or not. But it's the process that we've always talked about. We find more, but that's on a tangent. Um, I, I, you know, and for us too, I mean, Tim and I are really fortunate that uh, one thing that worked if, in our entity is that one of the four partners involved in the company took the bull by the horns when it came to the finances from a projection, from a running, from a keep an eyes on it standpoint. And Tim and I are very happy that it wasn't either of us. So uh, having Nathaniel do that, and Nathaniel's a fantastic CFO. I think Nathaniel had CFO of, of the year in Madison a couple of years ago. He did. Um, really, really on his game is helpful um, because it's, a lot of moving components and money in general is scary and that's scary. So having, again, that respect and trust is critical in Nathaniel because it allows us to not get bogged down by that and, and be able to put our efforts elsewhere. And um, again, that, that starts with the communication piece of it and accessibility. Like that's that. And on top of the periodic meetings, Nathaniel is always willing. The data is always there whether he wants to show it or not it's in our system anybody can access that and take a look at where we are at any given time so having that role be being taken very seriously and allowing for particular people to run with it and not get in their way doesn't mean don't ask questions doesn't doesn't mean don't push the envelope on x y and z but giving that those people the space and the resources to do that well and trusting in them and, and, and that's hard to do, you can't have a partnership or any other relationship without trust is, uh, is, is a huge benefit for everybody. And I know Nathaniel appreciates it because he doesn't want us in, our, in his business all the time either. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you hundred percent, Dan, like Nathaniel having, you know, a very good grasp on what we're doing and it's allowed us to make better decisions quicker and more informed um, and not have to be in the weeds like he is on that specific subject, uh, mm. which has been fantastic. I mean, I, I think I could, you know, drive the conversation a little bit differently and, and add on when it comes to just communication with his business partners. And I think that I'm, I believe you and Kennedy spoke about this uh, in last week's podcast is empathy. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that respect also comes with empathy for your business partners. 
And I say that because if you can have empathy, it can also help you with making decisions and, and just understanding. And maybe it's something that you can't support, right? Maybe it's something that a business can't make a decision for, for the partner. But what you can do is you can support them emotionally. You can make sure that you support them in other ways. And maybe it's not just strictly financial. And I think that with that being said, with empathy too, is I think you can create a lot of empathy when you take a step back and you realize that if you are an owner in a business with each other, the business should do well because you will all win. It is a win-win scenario. It's not a zero-sum game. It's if I win, you win. So why wouldn't we want to be the best to win together? Um, I think that sometimes you have to take a step back and realize where do I play a role? Um, sports teams have a lot of issues with this all the time. Is what role do I play? But if you listen to specifically, let's say, NBA basketball teams or WNBA basketball teams, if you ask them, a lot of the players will say, I have a role on this team and this is the role that I fulfill. But guess what? They may be the sixth man coming off the bench, but that does that still means they won the championship and they mm -hmm. were still a really big part of that championship. Same with the trainer. Same with the person that was turning on the lights to the gym every morning. Same with the person who was giving them their water and Gatorade, right? Everybody facilitated a role for that team to optimize and perform at a high level which means that if you can start realizing that as a business and as business partners, A, you don't have to do everything. B, if that person's being successful, same, so will you. And if you can start having that mindset, it will. I think it does help generate some empathy and understanding and willingness to help because at the end of the day, it's going to help you. I always like to talk about it as, you know, we're four Sherpas on the hill. Now we're seven. We were four, now we're seven. And we're all tied together. Dan falls, I fall. If Nathaniel falls, I fall. If Ying falls, I fall. So why would I want, not want to try to help and make sure that everybody's as stable as possible so that we can get to the top, right? And I think that that's an important thing to know. And if you can do that and have that mindset, I think it opens up the willingness to have hard conversations. As someone told us recently, Dan, have intimacy in the sense of like understanding, right? Your business partner and understanding where they're coming from. And I think that then optimizes and, and uh, you know, uh, at a high level, which create in that and creating boundaries is the same thing. That is having empathy, making sure, right, everyone should have boundaries. You should incur like a lot of that is difficult conversations, but um, can be had and can be very positive. Yeah, I think I think they said um, and both are nice, but intimacy over harmony, I think, yes. was uh, what they were saying. And um, yeah very difficult to do that at times, but well, well worth it. Uh, well, I think that's kind of the gist of we wanted to get across on, on ways to communicate and the importance of it inside of a business relationship. Tim, did you have any other thoughts you wanted to share? Any final thoughts? I mean, my, I guess my final thought would just be to circle back on like, you know, it's easy to talk hypotheticals or, in ways of how you should communicate, but like, I always, always question, well, how do I execute on that? And I think if I were to boil it down to is first and foremost, you got to sit down and have real conversations with whoever you're going to business with. You got to understand who they are and where they're going from. And I think you have to start with a good framework and where you start with a good framework is an operating agreement. And you do that when you guys are excited about a business. And I shouldn't say guys, when the people are excited about um, starting a business, you should start having that conversation and really boiling down to how do we allocate capital? How are we going to think about this? Are we transparent about our finances? Are we not? And I say an operating agreement because it gives you the base foundation to start 
it's kind of like uh like 10 you know 10 questions you know it's almost it's almost a document that can help promote those conversations where you may not even know where to start and it, it really is beneficial and then i think from there you start creating a framework and a structure around how you review your finances what this means and then also you know have a conversation about what your goals are personally where do you want to be and then how does that affect the business and what does that mean for the business um, is, is something that's really important. And if you can start there, I think that sets the basis for a really good, uh, you know, mechanism to, to generate positive, um, conversations within, within the company. Uh, two thoughts, I guess, on, on things that people have said to us before around this particular topic. One of which was us, uh, a, a quote that Jan Wilson took from us, six years ago or so and talking about the business and relating it to a marriage. And I, the quote was something along the lines of it's like a marriage without the emotion. I think I'd amend that now and just say it's different emotions, yeah. but, um, but, it, but it is, it, it has a lot of similarities to that and it should be treated with the same kind of respect, care and love that a marriage should be treated with. Uh, the second one also, I think in, in our first or second year that was brought on to us by an attorney we know is, um, when talking about money inside the business, it, it tends to get more difficult because of the dynamics of the business and bringing people in, how you allocate to more things. But the, what he was zero, really zeroing in on is it, it gets more difficult. You think it's difficult when you don't have any money operating inside the business, and it is. And then it's even harder when you actually do have some resources to move around. And, and he's right about that. Uh, it does become more difficult. So if you think at any point that it's actually just going to be okay and fine and just ride it out, you're wrong. It, that's not going to happen. It, it will look different, but uh, it's always got to be something that deserves attention. We'll, we'll leave you with there. Thank you everybody for tuning in. We always appreciate your attention and, and, uh, and so on. And until next time, have a great day. Take care. Like and subscribe. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker-dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments, broker-dealer or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.